0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, well, hey, I'm Nate Larkin, here with my friend and yours, Aaron Porter, for another, uh, Uh, of our scintillating conversations. I really do enjoy these. I'm glad that even though we live the all, you know, these 30 miles apart, we actually get to interact and talk on a very regular basis.
2: Yes. And today, uh, Justin, the man who finds our guests, uh, has been pumping up today's conversation for a while. For me, and the topic is one that I have so been looking forward to talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah I am yeah. very excited for this conversation. Yeah, but tell yeah. us what's what's happening in Mount Pleasant these days. You know, the news of Mount Pleasant doesn't often go beyond the borders and boundaries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm in this quiet little Tennessee town now, but two blocks away, work is ongoing at the harbor. The property that Samson House bought that with all intentions, uh, full steam, steam ahead to turn it into a place where we can do therapeutic intensives and make it available for Samson groups to come and do retreats. There is a contractor now working full time at the harbor. The uh, You wouldn't recognize the upstairs now, Aaron. That new bathroom is all done oh, going I, throughout
2: the upstairs. I, I snuck in a couple weeks ago. Oh, did you? I don't remember why I was in town. I was picking up. Oh, I was picking up the heater, and yes, I right. had to go over. And I'm sure it's farther along now, but it blew my mind. Looks so good upstairs in the yeah. in the dormitory area. <laughs> so
1: now we're downstairs. We're in demolition phase in the kitchen. Uh, we're going to expand the kitchen and make it kind of commercial ish. So it's been very interesting carrying out cabinets and finding out. You know when you. Th- what you think is a partition wall is actually an old exterior wall with a oh, with a window gosh. in it.
2: Yeah. Oh, really?
1: Uh, oh, did you, did yeah, you yeah, find yeah. any bodies? <laughs> no, no, no. But wow, what a history! this This house was originally built in in nineteen hundred, and you can tell it's been modified and added to, and uh, now trying to you know follow what all those people before us have done. And find out what our options are for renovation. That there's there's uh, no
2: end to the challenge. It's it's exciting. Wow, I'm I'm picturing exactly where in the kitchen that was probably <laughs> a porch. Now that we know that there's a wall and a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, it's uh, it's exciting. Well, I've I've got I've had conversations with uh, some of our guests that mm-hmm. uh, and some of our friends about coming out and doing intensives where this will be a menu of options for folks to say yeah I want to spend some extra time concentrating on this for this season of life whether it's something like forgiveness where they just want to deep dive it or or technology and the and what it's doing to their minds you know these are just <laughs> some examples of things you might go okay I need a, I need a jump start to get this engine going and yeah. so I'm hoping that our listeners will be excited to participate in those.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to find a way to uh, start circulating some photos of what's going on just to keep guys abreast of the progress.
2: Maybe we'll do that on Slack. I thought we agreed that we don't use the word abreast uh, on the Pirate <laughs> One podcast. Very. Yeah. Okay. We don't, we want need, to keep, to, we don't keep need to keep our guys listeners abreast. Yeah. No, a bosom a, bosom. a we, we will keep you a to <laughs> the conclusion <consuming laughs> uh yeah well that was that was a, just a somewhere between a dad joke and a and a junior high joke I'm not I'm not even sure I don't know we, we need to get know. out of this into a real conversation for Pete's sake let's just you think we can find a grown-up who'll talk with us Aaron please let's see if we can get one on the line listeners while we do that hang in with us we'll be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast You know, listening to podcasts
1: like this one is certainly helpful to your recovery. And so are the many books that we recommend. But recovery is not something that any of us can do by independent study. None of us can recover alone. We heal in relationship. So it's crucially important for you to find a recovery community, a Samson Society group, or a Pure Desire group, or a Celebrate Recovery, or other 12-step program somewhere where you can bring your real self and say the real truth. And there's another resource that you can draw on, one that's been extremely helpful to me over the years. In those times when my recovery has plateaued, or when I've gotten stuck, or I've started to lose ground, I've found that there's nothing like time with a highly skilled, well-trained therapist or recovery coach to get me moving again. Now, sometimes that's taken the form of a weekly counseling appointment. At other times, it's meant attending a week-long or a weekend intensive. If you're ready to take a dramatic step forward in your recovery, let me suggest LifeWorks Christian Counseling. Uh, These are good folks. The Hunters and their staff get addiction. They understand trauma and their approach is both biblically and scientifically sound. They work with individuals and couples. They're based in Madison, Mississippi, but they can work with you anywhere remotely through Zoom. And at various times throughout the year, they also run weekend intensives for Samson guys. To learn more, go to LifeWorks.ms. That's LifeWorks.ms. Or give them a call at 601-790-0583. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk podcast Fortunate we are, I will tell you, to have with us as our guest this week, uh, Dr. Hillary Cash. She is the co-founder of Restart Life, where she's the uh, chief clinical officer. Restart is a residential program, uh, the first in the U.S. or Canada, designed explicitly for adults and adolescents who are experiencing addiction to the internet and video games, as well as other mental health problems. And in addition, Restart offers a transition program for adults and outpatient services. She began her work in the emerging field of internet addiction in the mid-90s. In 1999, she co-founded an outpatient clinic called Internet Computer Addiction Services in Redmond, Washington. And in 2008, she co-authored the book Video Games and Your Kids, How Parents Stay in Control. And in 2009, she co-founded Co founded Restart Life. She's co authored several pre- peer reviewed articles and a workbook published by the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. She's been training parents, therapists, researchers, and educators since the 1990s. And she is here to talk with us today. Welcome, <laughs> Dr. Cash.
2: Wow. Thank you so much. That, that was evening. an introduction. Mid-90s? Hillary, what in the world? I would visit my aunt in the maybe 93, 94, and she had that mysterious thing called the internet, and it was basically just an encyclopedia. That was the only thing that was on it. (laughs) Right. So how did it get in your mind, I need to address this that early?
0: It is astonishing, isn't it? But as is so often the case, it was my clients who were teaching me uh, what I needed to learn. So in 94, I had moved, I had just moved up to the Seattle area. I had opened my private practice in 94. And one of my earliest clients was a young man addicted to a Dungeons and Dragons early multi-user domain, Mm
2: -hmm. internet-based
0: game. And he was, he'd lost already a job at Microsoft. He was about to lose another job and he was about to lose his marriage because of his addiction. And this was something completely foreign to me. Absolutely, I knew nothing about it, but was intrigued, of course. And I had my own child at the time, young boy, and I was thinking, I better figure this out, because I don't want my son to end up in somebody's office struggling with this. And, you know, I could intuit that I was just seeing, you know, the start of something that was just going to grow. And uh, and then you know other clients would come in addicted to online porn because it was available in the mid nineties and uh, mm-hmm. online some of those online forums and online day trading and things like that. So the common variable was the internet. So I just mm-hmm. made it my business to try to understand it as best I could and address it as I as best I could.
2: So you you were going to answer a question that I think segues well from. There, When you talk about a guy in the nineties on a Dungeons and Dragons domain, I imagine that was almost like the paper games that people would play, but you could interact with people without having to meet up. Then I I had mentioned that the first 12 step group I led was for a group of husbands when world of Warcraft came out, which was such an explosion of like a multi-user same type of game. I think, I don't know. I never played it. Um, but you saw that change, and then how it's changed from then to now. So can you lay out that thread of what's changed?
0: Well, it's the technology that's changed, and mm-hmm. two major themes I think are is that the technology itself has changed, and it has been has gone from uh being uh, much more. Helter skelter in its development to people really scientifically figuring out how to hold people's attention, how yes. to make these applications addictive, uh, you know, and it's all now extremely carefully designed in a way mm-hmm. that's very, very sophisticated. And mm-hmm. um, and then the technology gets faster and faster. Uh, there, you know, now we have, um, you know, VR and AR. Yeah. And all of these things just, you know, these are technological developments that make it harder and harder to resist. They, it makes the experience more and more immersive and more and more realistic. Yes. Um, and so, so that's a change that is ongoing and it's going to continue. Um, mm. The other change I'm seeing is that parents who grew up with the tech, are introducing their children to the tech at younger and younger ages. Mm
1: -hmm. When,
0: when we opened restart 15 years ago, our clients for the most part had not really gotten involved with tech until they were eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in Mm -hmm. there. But now parents are handing devices to their toddlers and even Mm -hmm. younger. And, Mm -hmm. So the developmental impacts, the younger kids start getting hooked on this stuff, the more, the, the more profound the developmental impacts are. And so we're seeing clients coming in with really some very problematic impacts. I, mm.
2: I definitely want to hear more about the developmental impacts, but as you yeah. were talking about that, I was thinking about my parents. Uh, The Atari came out when I was young, and then the Nintendo, which was so much better. And my parents were always concerned with how much TV was watched. There were a lot of limits. And at that time, they would rent a VCR on special occasions, and we could each pick out a movie. Mm -hmm. And if I was rewarded for something three or four times a year, they would rent a Nintendo. And I could just sit there and play to my heart's content for a day and then went back. The difference in my mindset as a kid then, I see a lot of kids feeling like they have a right to technology. Mm -hmm. And so what, and parents believe them that either it's because all their friends have whatever, but how did, how did we get to a point where parents were confused about the difference between a right and a privilege?
0: Well, it's an interesting question that I've never been asked before. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't know that I have a good answer for that, but it is a really interesting question. And I think it is true that I, I think maybe part of the change is that the schools are demanding it. Mm. And, yes. and therefore, um, you know, kids believe firmly that they they have to have the technology, and parents buy, buy into that. And um, and certainly I I see parents all the time who really believe that they are doing their kids a disservice if they mm-hmm. aren't providing them a smartphone when they want a smartphone and, um, you know, all the rest of it. So, yeah, there has been this, this change in thinking that you've just described so well. Yeah.
2: Mm. So can you walk us through developmentally what's happening with, uh, I mean, you might break down by age, maybe not, but what happens when we go too far in our connection and dependence on technology to connect us to the world or just to soothe ourselves?
0: Right. So I think the important thing for parents to understand is that the first six years of a child's life are the most critical for all later development. That's when yeah. the brain is, is, you know, making all of its connections and the, the and children are learning the, the very most foundational skills that they need in order to be successful later on uh, at an emotional level, at a physical level, uh, you know, psychologically. And, and, screens are in no way actually enhanced that developmental process in those early years. And in mm-hmm. fact, they tend to interfere. So children by nature, you know, unless they're on the autism spectrum, but by nature, they, they want to interact. They mm-hmm. want to gaze into the eyes of you know, the newborn is gazing into the eyes of a parent, a yes. caregiver. Uh, the parent is mirroring back. There's all yes. this social interaction and connection. Uh, and that's developing the foundations of, of attachment. Yes. We know that without attachment, uh, there cannot be good psychological health. It's mm-hmm. laying the foundations of communication.
2: Mm-hmm
0: it's absolutely foundational and it's the very first task of a newborn is to make that connection those good connections mm-hmm. if parents are on their screens and not yeah. interacting adequately if parents are shutting their kids up with the pacifying influence of a screen there is not enough social connection going on not enough attachment mm and and language is delayed emotion regulation skills are delayed so many yeah. things are being now n- are not happening that should be happening or not happening adequately that should be happening and and all of those very foundational skills are are simply well like just take the skill of being curious about your physical world and moving about in it,
1: Mm
0: -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That's natural to children. They want to explore their Mm -hmm. world. Children uh, naturally are attuned to their bodies. So when they need to go to the bathroom, they go to the bathroom. When they Mm -hmm. uh, are tired, they want to sleep. When they're hungry, they want to eat. But screens are mesmerizing and will override natural instinct in so many ways. And so a child can sit for hours passively in front of a screen, and television screens are not nearly as addictive as uh, the interactive screens Mm -hmm. that are engaged with. And so we see children entering school with language delay With poor uh, communication and social skills, even to the point of looking like maybe they're on the autism spectrum, they are, and they may not be on the autism spectrum, but they will have some of those characteristics Mm -hmm. because of their poor social skills. Physically, without body strength and coordination, because they haven't Mm -hmm. been moving enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I haven't exhausted the list of the problems, but you get the idea and it's, because would you say of screen time?
1: Yeah. Would you say that this is connected directly to the rising rates of anxiety, depression and suicide among young people?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And if, uh, there's a wonderful book called I gen for generation, iGen I gen. And it's by a, a researcher named Twenge, Dr. Twenge. And she just shows with absolute clarity the positive correlation between rates of depression, suicidal thinking, and, and gestures, mm-hmm. and successes, um, and, and increases in anxiety. So, in, in other words, emotional dysregulation. Yes. With the advent of the smartphone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So the smartphone has had a very profound and negative influence on, on you know, young people. And parents yeah, yeah. Don't, who don't understand this are giving smartphones to kids at early ages. I mean, personally, yeah. I truly am conservative about this stuff. I think kids don't need a smartphone until they have demonstrated that they are healthy young adults, you know, like... Yeah. 15, 16, 17 years old who have good friends, they're physically active, socially active, getting their responsibilities taken care of, getting their academics taken care of to the best degree that they can. You know, that's when you might introduce a, a, and let a young person have a smartphone because mm-hmm. they're well, and, they're and well they're, established.
2: I can immediately hear certain parents uh say, well, but I need to be able to connect with them. They need to call me to which there are so many answers now. Like there's watches that only do a text to the people that you put on the watch Um, or getting a flip phone. They still exist. It doesn't have to be a computer in the hand. If the main purpose is I need my kid to be able to call when they're done with practice.
1: Right. Absolutely. The one thing that's been very striking to me, and I've, uh, I've mentioned this uh, several times at Samson events, is the absolute catastrophic rise in erectile dysfunction among young yep. men since the advent of the Internet and the smartphone. Right. Those rates historically have been around 2%, now around 30%, which is having a devastating right. effect upon yep. it. yeah, dating behavior, <laughs> you know, how relationships are formed. Now, okay. So now, if I'm going to meet people, I'm going to meet people by swiping right or swiping left. And 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 now we have the approaching tide of online gambling. What are you seeing uh, with the? What are the effects these days of uh, the increasing legalization of online gambling? Is that showing up in your your office or? It in is. The, in, in the, yeah. Okay.
0: It is. Um, and this is is a big. Change because when we opened 15 years ago, online gambling was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And the gambling elements uh, were not, you know, clearly gambling elements were not built into video games the way they have now become. Mm. And so what's happening now is that there are so many of these gambling elements, uh, you know, opening a loot, purchasing a loot box you know, that you can then open in your game and then you get something of value or you don't. But it's a uh game Right, You're taking Mm -hmm. a gamble. And and those elements are built into the games that are designed for very young children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are getting young children used to gambling. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's... I see that as a very big problem and then you know now that you have got AI tracking people online so if you're watching you know if if you're a, if you're watching a an event it might be an eSports event or it might be a, a real sporting event but either way mm-hmm. um you know you can get a ping from a, a gambling outlet that says do you want to place a bet you know. Oh
2: really? Hillary, uh can you tell me what an esport event is, please?
0: <laughs> it is an event where there's an audience for um a comp- a big time competition for uh in in video game play.
2: So you're you're watching other people play video games? Yes. Oh a, yeah, a it's huge. Are you kidding? It's huge. Well, yeah. But the e-sports, yeah, and welcome welcome mm-hmm. to my holler I live in.
1: Uh, (laughs) twitch has
2: exploded to become a real big thing right okay nate can you please tell me what twitch is this is i'm assuming there are other listeners that know as little about this as i do so this is not just for me
1: Uh i know i I know two young men uh you know from uh, young men in their late 20s who um, moved to Mexico to become uh, online uh, gamers, and they they game typically 16 to 18 hours a day, and uh, on Twitch, and people watch them game.
2: So Twitch is like you, YouTube or something that streams,
1: but it's all live. It's all live, and they can they can get some applause for their good moves. They can get affirmation for their good moves, and they can get They get tips, they get followers who uh, pay them and they make enough um, uh, uh, cost of living is fairly low in Mexico. They make enough that they can live quite comfortably in Mexico
2: being full time gamers. And that's what they do. That's what Twitch is. Okay. So Hillary, I have heard people talk about how gambling is one of the hardest addictions to overcome. Why is that? Or do you agree with that?
0: You know, I haven't worked with gamblers who are addicted to casino gambling.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The gambling that I, the gamblers I work with are young men who are gambling in video games.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's different um, just because I, it's experientially different?
0: Yes, I do. I, I mean, it's gambling, right? But mm-hmm but it's a different population. The casino population tends to be older Mm -hmm. and, um, and personality wise, they they're often also uh, it's often uh, fused with a lot of drinking and perhaps Mm -hmm. alcoholism. Um, But many of them have very different kind of life stories, different personalities from the kinds of men we work with Mm -hmm. who have, Relatively little life experience because they're young, they haven't dated much, if at all. Um, you know, they haven't been married, Mm -hmm. uh, they've and they've gotten into it via uh, gaming mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what I so what I know just personally as a professional in this field is that internet addiction which may include the gambling, is very difficult. It's a very difficult addiction. But I also know, as a CSAT, how difficult porn addiction is to get over. Mm. And part of the problem is that we do, in our modern society, have to use computers. It's very mm-hmm. hard. Therefore, you're just a click away from accessing the things that are addictive for you and or experimenting with something new, which will turn out to be addictive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and in that respect, it's similar to an eating disorder where you have Mm -hmm. to learn, you still have to eat, but you have to learn how to eat in a healthy way and not allow yourself to go for the candy barb, which will then trigger a binge and send you completely off track again. And mm-hmm. in this like manner, you've got to learn how to use the internet without getting back into gaming, without getting back into gambling and porn and social media, if those are problematic for you. So it's very good. Mm.
2: So I guess <clears throat> the way my mind is hearing this, you're talking about a lot, more similarities than differences a- across the use of a lot of these. Immediately I thought of my kids and types of games they enjoy. Other kids, some of them like the first person run around talking with their friends type games or sports kinds of games. Others like story games or where they're creating a world or where they're immersed in a very long story. Um, are there Differences between the types of people that go for those, or is there a thread that it's really the same thing?
1: Or or is there a difference in the addictive quality of those games? I wonder.
0: There is a difference in the addictive quality of those games. Um, Although that's, I mean, I don't know really how stratified you can make it. It's well known that the more you're invested in a game, That has no end
2: because Mm -hmm. they're always coming out
0: with something new. Right. That has gambling elements in it, that has a community to which you belong.
1: Mm Yes.
0: Where you seek and receive, you know, admiration for your achievements. Mm -hmm. uh, That's, you know, intellectually challenging and stimulating, where you really have an opportunity to shine. And, mm-hmm. and gain that admiration. These are going to be the most addictive games. I think almost mm-hmm. everybody would agree with that—that that they are, mm-hmm. they're they're causing the brain to release very high levels of dopamine yeah. and opiates because it's it's um, operating on many many different levels. It, you know, great graphics, great music. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: You know, just yeah. so
0: many things that well, make the experience a, a really huge high.
2: Yeah, and even even those games have winning and losing elements that are in real time with a team around you often. So there's yeah. those emotional consequences Yes, uh, that definitely the winning is going to feel different than if you're just doing a story game, you're the only one, right. you lose, and then you just start back at the last saved spot.
0: Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and there still are games that, you know, come to an end. <laughs> and that's right. very helpful.
1: Yeah. Whereas yes. these yeah. games
0: that absolutely never end um, are very problematic.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: when you hit upon admiration, it makes me wonder whether the invention of the like button made Facebook more addictive. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yes. And, yeah. the, and the guy who's – I. I heard the guy that was who invented that regrets ever having invented it because he he came to realize how addictive it was however if he hadn't invented it somebody else would have so it was inevitable that they were going to think up that eventually but yes it's very addictive
2: okay i Mm -hmm. want to ask a question that is going to be controversial because man this has been talked about and i don't think many people agree with each other
0: I know where Uh, you're going. (laughs) Go right ahead.
2: Okay. (laughs) There was a book, and I tried to find the author. It was too many years ago that I read it. It was called On On War by a teacher at West Point. And part of the book, it wasn't even the main thing, talked about uh, video games and violence. Mm -hmm. And he went back to the history of the Civil War where they find balls still in guns and World War II interviews where guys would talk about shooting over the heads of the enemies that one of the great problems with war was nobody actually wanted to kill other people. Before Vietnam, they started training soldiers with body-shaped targets and they found a drastic increase in the willingness for the soldiers to shoot people. It's called the
0: kill rate. The kill rate. Mm -hmm.
2: So his contention was violent video games aren't Making people violent. However, it is making preparing their minds where if they are in a violent situation, they are more likely to pull a trigger than if they hadn't spent hundreds or thousands of hours pointing a gun and pulling a trigger, which he then says is why it's a disservice to people in poorer communities where there is more violence. Uh, so he goes from there. So that's his deal. I wish I could remember his name. Uh, there's obvious questions people would have about school shootings being something that was so rare and now comes up more often. What are your thoughts on all of that?
0: Well, I, I think that the, the people who argue that video games do not contribute, that violent video games do not contribute to violence, either violent behavior or thoughts Uh, have just absolutely not looked honestly at the research. The research is actually very clear Mm -hmm. that it will increase aggressive thoughts and aggressive behavior. And so it may not make somebody decide to go out and buy a gun and shoot, but it is also, you know, the, the point made by the, um, military person that you were just describing to us, I think he's right. It increases the kill rate, absolutely, and mm-hmm. uh, desensitizes people to violence, mm-hmm. and thereby increases the kill rate. Um, but it also, in and of itself, increases aggression. So the research is really very clear about it.
2: Well, well that's kind of disturbing cuz you're saying it's it's decreasing the social skills of people and increasing that. That seems like a <laughs> very bad combination.
0: It is that's a bad right. combination.
2: Yeah. And right. em- empathy so I feel levels, alienated. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, empathy levels have been dropping. Yes. Over the last yes! few decades.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah, it's, it's- tied, they show when when young people are Playing video games, violent video games, and when they're playing and when they're looking at porn, both of those things are increased mm-hmm. are are lowering empathy sure. and increasing increasing aggressive thoughts
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now,' I it's quite easy you. to bully
1: somebody online who you're not yes. actually physically with and witnessing That's the right. impact, the emotional impact of what you're
2: saying. That's right, yeah. Wow! Gosh, this is depressing. What's okay? Yeah, give us something helpful here. What's what's the solution? What's the, <laughs> come on, bring Can let's I, bring Pollyanna into this. I want to does the measure. brain heal. Is
1: there recovery for this stuff? Let's talk oh, about absolutely that. Absolutely, there's recovery for it,
0: and you know there are twelve step meetings now. Uh, there's internet and uh, uh, let's see, internet and technology addicts anonymous is a twelve step meeting that can be found online, and there are some groups. There's Gamers Anonymous, um, mm. and I'm sure other 12-step meetings that are being created uh, for people to try to deal with
2: this. And Okay, how, how do they know if they are those people, since everybody else is doing it? Uh, what, what would be mm-hmm. some signs that a person could look at and say, oh, maybe this is disrupting my life?
0: There are three critical things. The first is, are you out of control?
1: Mm -hmm. Right?
0: Do you say to yourself, I really am tired, I really need to get to bed and catch up on sleep so I can function tomorrow?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You don't, because Mm -hmm. you stay caught up in your game or your pornography or whatever you're doing online. Right? So Mm -hmm. are you in control or out of control? That's a critical question. The next is, is it consuming more, uh, an increasing amount of your focus and attention and you are, and as a result of that, you are neglecting either former sources of pleasure like uh, you used to play sports and you don't anymore or you used to mm-hmm. get together with friends and you don't anymore or, or you know, whatever. So is it, is it squeezing out Other things, because your interest and focus on whatever that internet-based activity is, is taking up more and more of your time and and attention. And then third, as a consequence, are there negative consequences because of this? And so you need to look at where those negative consequences might be. Are they in your mental health? Are you getting more Mm -hmm. depressed? more anxious are they in your physical health because you're sleep deprived you're mm-hmm. not brushing your teeth and they're starting to rot uh you're you are um are the, are they academic or or uh, work related consequences because you're getting fired you're not showing up you're not working your best uh you're failing out you know you have mm-hmm. to look at what the consequences mm-hmm. are. If there and, are, and,
2: and one sign might be a spouse who's increasingly right. annoyed and nagging That's you right. about it, uh, that could be a good sign.
0: Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So these you have to; those three elements are are critical.
1: So you now have a residential treatment program. Uh, and the, and there are also some outpatient elements, but I'm uh, m- curious initially about this inpatient treatment. What's the typical course of treatment? How long is somebody usually in treatment for this before they can kind of get some traction and some healing and some direction mm-hmm. to regain control of, uh, of their life?
0: So typically they come for about three months for the intensive portion of the program. Okay. Wow. And and in and that first month is usually really a month of detoxing catching mm-hmm. up on sleep being social getting some physical exercise eating well and by the end of a month they're usually feeling much better and okay. it might it might be a shorter or longer time but on average about a month and then and then they have to really start digging down to understand and deal with what has been, what are the underlying things that have been driving this escapism?
1: You -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. what what are they they, running from?
0: What are they running from? What's been driving it? Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and once they've detoxed, they can start dealing with that stuff. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then they have to, and then they have to start really thinking through how they're going to return to, you know leave our program and get back to life in as a re, as a person in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know what does that mean to be a person in recovery? What are the lifestyle changes that they're going to need to make? Because mm-hmm. they're and and how are they going to avoid falling back into the old patterns since they're going to have to use technology? Right. So all of that is what they they work on and by, as they are approaching the end of that three month period, they pre- present their plan. It's called a life balance plan. How are they going to avoid cross addiction? Uh, You know, how are they going to handle situations that come up where one of their peers at work invites them to come over to play a video game?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they just have to think all this stuff through. So, they present that and get feedback on it. And once they've got a good plan um, and we can see that they've got a recovery mindset, they're doing 12-step work, uh, uh, meanwhile, going to 12-step meetings, then um, they, it's time for them to leave that intensive program. And an option for them is to do our transition program. Mm-hmm. And our transition program, they work. they get part-time work. They are living in apartments together, but now you know much more independent. But they use computers in our computer lab. They don't start off with their smartphones. Right.
1: They, you
0: know, they. It, it's a gradual reintroduction of the digital technology, letting them get used to that as well. They're getting used to being out in the world in a very different way than they've been out in the world. So. And that program lasts any length of time.
2: Mm -hmm. What resources would you recommend to parents to better understand? Uh, You mentioned the book uh, on it. Are, Are there other places that parents can go to get educated on how to make wise decisions for their kids?
0: Well, there's some wonderful books that have come out you know, our book that we, that Kim McDaniel and I wrote came out in 2008. There have since then been a lot of wonderful books that have come out. And Mm -hmm. uh, an example is one by a child uh, pediatric psychiatrist named Victoria Dunkley. And that book is called Reset Your Child's Brain. And it's Mm -hmm. a Fabulous book that I can recommend to any parent, um, which will really explain, you know, all the physiology of of what's going on when children are overstimulated with by screens and kind of what to do about that. So, uh, so I recommend her book and um, our website has access to good books. I recommend that. If they go to either netaddictionrecovery.com or restartlife.com, they'll get to our website. And we have books to recommend. And if anyone wants to email me, uh, and, it's, and if you will, it's Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-I-E dot cash, C-A-S-H, at restartlife.com if they would like to be added to my listserv, I, I keep a listserv and and send out good articles uh, mm-hmm. related to all this stuff and they can be on the listserv. Or, and they can also ask for a recommended reading list and a recommended resource list. Because uh, another, one of the best, um, again, there are some really great resources for parents, excuse mm-hmm. me, and one of them uh, is for instance uh, called fairplayforkids.org. And that is a collection of professionals and parents and interested parties um, who are really worried about kids and trying to doing all kinds of things in the school system in mental health in, uh with legislatures, trying to protect kids. And so that's just an example of of one of a number of really good organizations working uh, for kids.
1: Well, let me tell you, Hillary, I love the name of your website and and your treatment center, Restart Life. Uh, If there's one thing that uh, a technology-based addiction will do, I suppose any addiction will, it will just put real life in suspended animation. Mm -hmm. And months and years, and in my case, decades can go by, uh, when you just are in another place. To get back into life, to restart, that is what recovery is all about. And I'm yeah. so glad that uh, you're doing the work you're doing. Do you, we have time? want to say one? something
2: you're going to do? Sure. Are you you want we- to do something in conclusion there, Aaron? Well, it wasn't exactly a conclusion, but I, I felt you going in for the landing. <laughs> yeah. but, Hillary, how old are your kids?
0: My... Uh, not my personal kids, but the ones who are at Restart?
2: No, you had you had mentioned that part of what motivated you to get oh, yeah. into this was because you have a son. So you have a I have
0: one child, and okay. he's now 33. Okay.
2: okay, so here's what here's what I'm just dying to know as a dad. <laughs> yeah. As he got older with you trying to be aware and parent him uh, proactively with this, Mm-hmm. What did you see as he became a man and independent, and what have you since thought, you know what, I would have done this part differently?
0: It's a great question, Um, but I don't think I would have done anything differently because Mm. he actually, maybe the one thing I would have done differently is I might have been a little more mm, nosy Mm -hmm. about uh, what he was doing when he went over to friends' houses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, But aside from that, I feel like uh, we've navigated this minefield pretty successfully, and I see how he raises his own two little girls now, Mm -hmm. and I can see his commitment to – doing the things that I think are the right things to do, you know, in terms of Mm -hmm. keeping them away from technology and all of that. I mean, they're young, so we'll see if he keeps that up. Um,
2: And and, and part of the reason I asked about how he navigated it when he got on his own is the strange fear in some parents that if I withhold all this stuff, then I'm some creepy homeschool parent and my child will be completely (laughs) out of touch when they get on their own.
0: Oh, my mm. gosh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, he was wildly um, social, you know, like very social, very successful academically. He did great. And, mm. uh, and so parents do not need to worry. You know, it's so fascinating to me how down in Silicon Valley, the big time executives are famous for not letting their kids use this technology. Yeah, they send yeah, them yeah, to yeah, Waldorf yeah. schools and and other similar schools where there's no tech. And, yeah. and in their homes, they limit or eliminate tech because they understand. And those kids are going to grow up and be very successful and fine. It's like you're giving such a gift to your child when you really successfully keep them off of tech for a long time and then when you let them on it, it's it's minimal you know it's it's yeah. really just
2: it's takes reasonable a
0: small, it's yeah. very reasonable small amount of life and they're being social they're getting their sleep they're doing their academics they're being responsible at home the family's having fun together the kids have friends that they get together with you know it's like if your kid is living that life the technology piece of it is is you're you're just giving them a great gift
2: yeah. Well, Doctor Hillary, thank you for that encouragement and and for <laughs> teaching me about esports and all kinds of other things. <laughs> it is great having you on, listeners. You got a list of uh, ways to connect and get some resources. And so we will be right back here on the Pirate Month podcast. Welcome back to the Firebunk podcast. Man, I think there were a few more uh rabbit trails we could have gone down on that. Oh man.
1: Are you kidding? That is such a huge topic. I feel like we just kind of took the first layer of the cake and there is a lot under there.
2: It was it's funny. I was who was I talking? To? I was just talking to someone today about uh, a conversation I had with a young husband, probably two to three years into his marriage and he was struck. He was very angry with his wife because she was angry with him because he just wanted to play an hour or two of a video game. He liked each night. And his reasoning was she gets home at four and watches a talk show for an hour when she gets home. And then I get home at about five thirty, and I want, to just sit down and relax. She got to relax, so it kind of became this. This is my only way to relax, kind of. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thinking. Yeah. And then he'd play a game for an hour or two, and I, we talked about it. And I'm like, dude, you've got like four hours that you're awake with your new wife. Yeah, and you would like to take 25 to 50 percent of that time every night, and and not be present. And it blew my mind how he. Just couldn't see it that way for a long time. Yeah. That, that I, I guess that's where you know there is that addiction component when mm-hmm. something that seems rather crazy and had an entitlement aspect uh, had crept in and it, it took a while to, to re see it from another perspective. So I, yeah. I'm so glad we talked about this because I, This is just a real thing for men and women. And and we didn't talk a lot about social media, but that is a big part of this for a lot of people as well. Oh, sure.
1: It can suck up the time. (laughs) I I got a little bit uncomfortable when she started, you know, listing the questions that you can ask yourself uh, to diagnose whether or not you might have an addiction, a technology addiction problem. I'm well aware that I have, of uh, vulnerability in in this area. And I'll tell you what my reminder is. It's a stupid game on my phone that I have removed now
2: <laughs> at least three times. Was that the one you were playing in England last June? He- yes! <laughs> Half-, Half the pictures I have of you when we're waiting around <laughs> in airports with things you were playing that game. I'm playing that stupid
1: game and it's back on my phone. And, uh, why do you and like I this have game sacrificed. so much? What what is it I you have. like about it? Oh, well, one thing it keeps score. Now I'm not. If I were actually competing against other people and I could rise in the rankings, that would make it even more addictive. Uh, but it's it, it's it's challenging. There's variety to it. Uh, it also, but but here here's where it kind of parallels porn use. One thing I know about porn use is that that is dissociative behavior for me, and that when I was using porn, time would disappear. I, I could burn just hours on porn and not even realize it. The other day, I told myself, I will play this game for 15 minutes, is what I told myself. And when I looked up, two hours were gone. Whoa. What two this? hours were gone, okay. I'm very curious what kind of game this is. But I'm just you, sliding. I'm just sliding blocks around a grid. That's yeah, all I'm
2: it's doing. Like, it's a puzzle game, right? It's a puzzle game, yeah, yeah, two hours. Wow, mm-hmm. that must have been shocking. It was, uh, and I told myself,
1: you know tomorrow I need to take that game off my phone, and it is still there. We'll see if it
2: survives today. Uh,
1: I feel like I just got an invitation to
2: wake up to kind of restart. Do you, do you feel like right now on this podcast, you need to just in the presence of live live. Okay. Just delete this, this thing. Can you see me? I I can't see you. you. Yeah, yeah, I can see you. I'm I'm, I'm watching.
1: There's my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to summon the game right now. Here it is. Hang on a second. Give me a second. Two screens over. There it is. There is the freaking game. Now, There are different versions of this game. This one that I've reinstalled is not the same one that I removed before.
2: But it still counts.
1: Oh, but this one (laughs) plays longer. This one sucks (laughs) you in. Uh, The one that really got me hooked, no game lasted more than 15 or 20 minutes, and then you were out of spaces, you know? And so you'd play it again. I would play that game over and over and over again, trying to cross a threshold. This one... Keeps you going for hours at a time. It lets you succeed for a long time before it finally, you know, hangs you. So well, here it is. Okay. Here's the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and I've got I've got a very impressive. Uh, my my weekly best score is twelve thousand and something, and my all time best score is sixteen thousand and something. So much higher than I was ever able to get on the other iteration of the game. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like like a success. It's a little bit of dying now. There's the game. Uh All right. There it is. And now uh, I am going to, uh, with the help of my brother, Aaron, I am going to remove, there it is. uh, I'm going to delete Mm -hmm. the app. I'm pushing the red delete app button. Mm Mm-hmm. And it says, "Do you really want to?" <laughs> of course, deleting it does. this app will also delete its data. So all my <laughs> hard-won success is going to disappear, Aaron. Uh-huh. All that I've accomplished in the last three weeks is going to go away. Uh, and I just hit the delete button. There it is. There it is. And and, and I feel f- a mix of emotions now. I feel some freedom and some sadness. Well, you
2: can you can feel free to call me if you feel you know. Allie goes to bed early. You're sitting around. I don't have a lot to do. I think I might put that back on my phone. Feel free to call me and I'll remind you. I will remind you (laughs) that this game that you just showed me was a bunch of blocks. The technology has been around since the Atari. Like, this is not that advanced. The only thing that's changed is how they have psychologically figured out to screw you. Yeah, Yeah. And I love that she talked about that. Because Mm -hmm. that makes it easier for me to say no to certain things when I'm like, yeah, this game, they have these little things. I got to do it once a day or I'm not going to get this little bonus. It's going to help with the game. I got to collect the coins. I got to whatever that people are getting paid a ton just to figure out how to enslave me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful or useful. All things are lawful for me but I will not
2: be mastered by any. Well, good job, deleting man. <laughs> well, uh,
1: I feel like we actually accomplished something on this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. I'm feeling pretty good. I'd love to hear what our listeners think about this conversation. Listeners, you can always reach us. You know you can at podcast at gmail.com, and we treasure every communication. So drop us a line. I think that's it for this episode of the show, Aaron, unless you've got something to add. Nope. All right. Well, then that's it. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pal on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your
0: feedback or questions to PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.